Coffee Roasters open in Pioneer Square and South Lake Union for takeout and soon indoor seating. Order coffee and more at elmcoffeeroasters.com. Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Ella, and you're listening to Dig Deeper, a deep dive into the psychological explanations of social experiences, everyday struggles, and philosophical perspectives. This week, we'll be talking about marriage, more specifically from the perspective of college students, and why it's becoming less popular in today's world. So for our episode today, I talked to one of my good friends who is studying psychology, specifically in relation to marriage and divorce and relationships, and she's actually been married and divorced, so she's kind of an expert in the field. Well, I personally have been married and divorced all by the age of 21, and I don't think that marriage is as important as society makes it out to be, and having my parents get divorced when I was young, as well as having many of my childhood friends' parents get divorced, it has made me think that it is not important, it's not binding, and it doesn't necessarily represent love. I got married because I knew that it was a very reversible decision and it was easy to divorce had I gotten married. And at the time it made the most sense in terms of my living situation and going to school. And it also benefited the man that I married a lot. And since I loved him, I wanted to help him out. But I knew that we were not going to be married forever. And the day that I married him, I had already started planning the divorce. Okay, so Molly, what are your opinions on marriage? Um, I have a very neutral opinion on marriage because I think for a lot of people it it works and it's amazing and I know a lot of people who are happily married, like my parents are really happily married. But I also know that marriage does not work for some people and it is definitely a social construct that has a lot of really icky, sexist ways about it and also Mm -hmm. some icky like power dynamics. I don't know. It's kind of outdated in that way. Yeah. But also I think, I don't know, I just think if you love someone and want to get married, then there's absolutely no harm in getting married. And if you love someone and don't want to get married, then there's absolutely no harm in not getting married. And if you don't love someone and don't want to get married, there's absolutely no (laughs) harm in that. So I don't know. It's just very, I think, case to case. Okay, but personally, do you want to get married? Um... If I find the right person that I want to marry, (laughs) then I probably would. But I'm not, like, twiddling my thumbs, like, waiting for that person. And I'm not, like, really, really eager or anxious to get married. Mm. Um, But I I don't have a negative view on it. Like, I wouldn't stop myself from getting married if I wanted to. Ooh, okay. I just thought of this. Do you feel attached to any sort of timeline for your life as far as, like, relationship, marriage, kids, (laughs) that kind of stuff? Yeah, but I think that my timeline is a little bit different than others. Or I guess everyone has different timelines, so that's not really fair to say. (laughs) Um, But I see myself getting married really late in life because I want to be – I think I actually – 
further thinking, I think I actually do want to get married, but I think I want it to be when I'm really settled in myself and I'm really settled in whatever career I may choose and hobbies I may choose. Like I really want to live my life for myself um, before I get married. Um, So I see myself getting married really late in life and I don't really see myself having kids, but if I do, it would also be later in life. Um, Maybe like adopt or something. But yeah, that's also changing and don't hold me to that. (laughs) Okay, I will not. What about you? You know, I don't know. I think I also feel very open to either because it doesn't feel super important. I think I don't really have any attachments to the religious aspect of it or the traditional aspect of it. I honestly just would like having a party that's all about me. Yeah. Right? Like, that is honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. that is a factor. And, you know, wedding gifts. Yeah. I love that kind of and stuff. And there's nothing wrong in celebrating love. Like, love yeah. is such a beautiful thing. Right. The traditional celebration of love and, like, commitment to each other. I do think that that can be a really cool thing. But at the same time, I don't necessarily feel... I've always just felt super uncomfortable with the aspect of marriage that's, like, till death do us part. I think that just... I don't know, like, that's not something that I ever want to commit to. I just don't like that idea. And maybe that's because I feel cynical about marriage, but maybe it's just because our generation doesn't feel the same way about marriage and doesn't think of it as as much of a permanent thing. I don't know. But yeah. So the studying the psychology of family and marriage therapy or just psychology in general and how people's brains work in relationships has made me feel differently about marriage because no relationship is perfect and that's why you need two people that are willing to commit because people are always changing which means your relationship is always going to change you have to have a really strong understanding of yourself as well as other people so that you are willing to adapt and change to your partner's needs and wants and they can do the same to you you both need to be like open to change and willing to do that for the other person, which takes a lot of selflessness, which not everybody has or everybody is capable of. Like not everybody's at a point in their life where they can do that or offer that. Yeah, just an example of the psychology of that is there's three different main attachment styles and there's different branches off of that, but there's secure, which around 45% of the population is. And then there's anxious, which around... 15% of the the population is, and then there's avoidant, which around 25% of the population is. So relationships succeed when both people have secure attachment styles, but the most common pairing is between an anxious and avoidant. So when an anxious person is in a relationship, they need constant reassurance and they need to be around the person all the time and they will be overly attached or too dependent on their partner but they will be with somebody that is avoidant that needs the opposite. They are afraid of connection and commitment, and so they will go the complete opposite way if they start feeling too attached to their partner, and they will close themselves off and shut down and not be receptive, and so it just creates all these problems. And the anxious person seeks connection and attachment, and at first the avoidant person really likes that because they don't have to put any effort in, and they just have the person come to them, and the you know, that person loves them and is there for them and is very understanding and like very coherent in the other person's needs and is like right there all the time. And at first the avoidant person really likes that because they're like, oh, I'm like getting the love that I need without having to do anything. 
But then as it becomes too much from the anxious person, then they start to pull away. And then the anxious person is like, where are you going? I thought that we had a good relationship. Like, why are you pulling away from me all of a sudden? Like, what's wrong? What did I do wrong? And then it increases their anxiety, which pushes the avoidant person away even more. And it will never be fixed unless both people acknowledge and address it and change. So it's actually really interesting that we decided to do uh, an episode on marriage because we decided a bit ago um, and way after we already planned on doing this episode in my communications 270 class, <laughs> um, shout out Professor Sharp, <laughs> um, we were talking about divorce and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I can use some of this in the podcast. One takeaway that I really thought was cool and important to bring up is the steps of relationship dissolution. So there's a bunch of different hypotheses and models that kind of outline the steps of going through a divorce. Mm. So there's a bunch of different ones. Like there's this one called the staircase model where it's like a kind of just like a step down of like first you do this then you do this then you do this and like that's how you go through the divorce but that's really limiting because like life is messy and it's not like a even staircase um so I don't really want to focus on that one but there's more like disorderly approaches that are the best way to look at marriage so there is one from I might say this wrong but Hagstad I don't professor's know. probably listening to this. Yeah, like, I know. Come on, Sorry. Molly. I'm going to say Hagstad and Smyers. And <laughs> they came up with the disorderly approach to divorce. It's basically like in no particular order, couples will experience all these things. So those things are they negotiate and renegotiate emotional attachment to each other. They kind of re-figure out how to live by themselves and like they figure out like their daily habits and routines like without the other person they like unattach uh the role or persona of their partner so kind of meaning like they think of more as like oh it's me and it's you instead of it's an us Mm -hmm. and then they also separate what they feel and like what they think with the other person like towards the other person like all that kind of stuff so that it, it it allows for more discrepancy in like your divorce process because it's like you just you will do all of those things at some point in time um there's also this thing called the ducks five phase model which is five phases and there's the intrapsychic phase um the dyadic phase the social phase the grave dressing phase and the resurrection phase so all of those are just like different phases that you will go through during that divorce so for example like um the dyadic phase is where you discuss with your partner and like decide to break up and then the social phase is like you inform your social network that you're going to break up and then like it ends in the resurrection phase where you prepare yourself for a new relationship also really cool but still a little like limiting on like you have to go through all those phases yeah so what is said as of right now in like psychology and communications research as of right now the baxter's flow chart model is the best model to explain divorce um and that is basically just a really muddied flow chart of a bunch of different scenarios and like you kind of go through the flow chart and like answer like yes or no questions and those either 
lead to a reunion or a breakup. And this is a really good model because it shows how complicated relationships actually are in the real world and how many decisions need to be made in order to either reunite or go through divorce. And I think that that's a really important aspect because it focuses on like the decisions and like how important decisions are because nothing, divorce wouldn't happen without decisions. Like reconciliation wouldn't happen without decisions. Like it's just like really decision based. Yeah. since 2015, Elm Coffee Roasters is devoted to high-quality coffee that's easy to brew at home and a joy to drink. At our roastery and cafe in Pioneer Square, Seattle, Elm obsessively roasts small batches of coffee that they source with a focus on sustainable practices that lift up the whole supply chain and protect the future of the coffee plant. Elm's goal is to make a truly exceptional cup of coffee an experience you look forward to every day. Cafes in Pioneer Square and South Lake Union open now for takeout and soon dine-in service. Please use the code podcast at elmcoffeeroasters.com for 50% off your next coffee order. I think that a divorce is necessary when one person, one or both people don't want to try anymore because it's not fair to either of you or one person in the relationship to be putting in effort and straining themselves and draining themselves of their life and energy, trying to fix a relationship that the other person doesn't want. That's not fair. Yeah, so beyond the process of actually getting divorced, I just kind of wanted to talk about the main reasons why people get divorced. Or Molly's class came up with four different main reasons for divorce, which would be infidelity, incompatibility, drinking or drug abuse, and lack of communication. Um, I don't think that I can really speak to any of these personally, being single in 21. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess with incompatibility, sometimes that's just something that you don't figure out. For a while. For a while. Um, And you're always, like, learning things about each other, which kind of goes into the lack of communication aspect of it. Like, when you stop caring, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, and you stop making the choice to, like, get to know and grow with somebody. And then, obviously, drinking and drug abuse, like, that changes you. And then infidelity. Don't understand that one. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like those are uh, awful. Those are really good examples of, like, the two types of breakups that there are. Because they say that there's like the sudden death breakup and the passing away breakup. So the sudden death breakup, it seems out of the blue and it's like without warning. And it's usually someone in the relationship is surprised. So that could be someone breaking up because of like someone just like breaks up and it's like super unsuspected or someone cheats and it's like super unexpected. And like that's how the relationship devolves or like someone dies. That would also be um, a sudden death one. And the passing away one was when, like, the relationship progressively dies. And that would be really understandable for, like, the incompatibility reason. Because if you're incompatible, then, like, you'd probably slowly figure that out. And then, yeah. like, the, the relationship, like, passes away, like, slowly yeah, that dies. Makes Okay, 
what does marriage mean to me? Well, I have two different thoughts on it. One thought is that it's a social construct, like I was saying, and it's just like a legally binding contract that means nothing more than a piece of paper. I think that having like your marriage on paper is different than having like a healthy, sustainable relationship. Like the two don't necessarily go hand in hand. But then I also view marriage as like this idealistic thing that I don't think is achievable or is achievable by very few. One, because times have changed. And like, if you look at our grandparents or some people's parents, like they stay married because you had to at the time, like divorce was unacceptable. But then you also see people staying married because of religion. But anyway, now, since you have the option to divorce, people just do it all the time. And it is very uncommon for people to stay married you know like so few people do and even fewer people stay married and are in like a actually happy healthy relationship okay do you want to go into the effects of divorce yeah Um, so, I mean, obviously the effects of divorce are different for everybody and it's super, super case to case. Um, but in research, generally, generally, if you're the person going through the divorce, it's really hard at the time. Um, but it's less hard than people say it is. Um, Hmm. I mean, again, this is very case to case, but like for a lot of people, um, it's like if they want a divorce, then getting, giving, getting a divorce is like it's a hard process but it's really good for them and like in the long term it'll be like good for them and like better and like they wanted the divorce so like it's good that they got the divorce like as opposed to staying in a relationship for comfort or exactly and then as for kids that's usually the most complicated part of the divorce initially they take like an initial hit where it's like a really bad thing it's the worst thing that you could imagine your parents doing and it's really hard for them at the time um but then like as they grow and like become a person like they're not so hurt about their parents' divorce as they grow up. Unless their parents continue conflict post-divorce. So if their parents, like, keep arguing or keep, like, talking bad about the other person or keep, um, just, like, keep that icky atmosphere of, like, conflict in the air, then the effects on the kid lingers. That's really interesting because someone asked me recently, um, because my parents are divorced, they were like, what's sad about your parents getting divorced? And it was funny because I do remember it as like a really sad event. And then looking back on it now, I don't have a lot of emotions around it, which is, I guess, exactly what you were saying. Like it doesn't, the pain doesn't last um, very long or it doesn't have a huge impact on you. And I would say the things that do have an impact on you are like the case by case situations and like different arguments and effects of divorce, but not the actual divorce itself, I guess. But I would also say that, I don't know, like, I think having two parents in, like, a healthy relationship puts you at maybe an advantage for having a good relationship yourself, like, having a good model, and maybe it gives you a little bit more confidence as far as, like, your own capacity to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. But that's just speculation. (laughs) Um, I do just want to (laughs) say, on a side note, I think it's very funny that we decided to make a podcast about marriage and have only been talking about divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that goes to show like (laughs) our nihilistic views. Um, Okay, but kind of going off of that, like marriage is, 
I think a lot less important to our generation, right? But that's also probably because we are in an environment and, like, we surround ourselves with people who don't care about marriage. But, like, some people Mm. still really do care about marriage and really value marriage. And, like, I have friends that are married and, like, most of them are for religious reasons. Yeah. And so maybe that's, like, the religious side of marriage is, like, something that I'm not necessarily familiar with or, like, aligned with. So then maybe if I did have those views, then I would be more inclined to, like, think that marriage is still as important Mm, today as it was in the past. Okay, but I will say, so there were two kind of conflicting things that I was thinking about. One of them being our lifespans have increased so much that getting married to someone and staying together for the rest of your life is significantly different. Like, I don't know the actual timeline of lifespan getting longer, but there used to be a time when people only lived to be 50 or whatever. And then you're committing to a lot less time than say now people live to be 80 or 90 most of the time, you know? And so you're committing a much bigger chunk of time. So many more years. Yeah, definitely. Um, So that I think that is why divorce maybe has become a little bit more acceptable throughout the years. But then at the same time, it's really not as possible to survive, like to live maybe in Seattle specifically, but also in general, like with one income Mm. to have, to be able to afford an apartment in Seattle for like one person is super expensive. And so in that way, like getting married and splitting finances with somebody is super effective. It does have a really big financial benefit. So in that way, as it becomes like harder to survive on your own and like a single income, Maybe, I don't know, that becomes a bigger reason to get married. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think I do want to get married again to the right person. But I don't think that it's like an end-all, be-all sort of situation. Like, I don't believe that marriage is the only way that you can be in a happy relationship. And I also would not get married again ever unless I was 100% certain that I was marrying somebody that was committed to the relationship and making it work long term. Because you don't just get married and then your relationship magically lasts forever. Like you both have to commit really hard to always working on the relationship and never giving up. Which I think I'm capable of, but I want to make sure I marry somebody that feels the same way. This topic is like a lot of topics in psychology where it's super dependent on situation and like who you are and like who you surround yourself with, like the views you have. Like it's really, it, you can have a lot of different perspectives on this topic. Yeah, you do do a lot of generalizing. Yeah, yeah. But I really enjoyed kind of having a more like introspective look on marriage and it made me think about um what I personally want and it made me think about like my parents and like all that kind of stuff so I really enjoyed working on this and I hope that you guys enjoyed listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you for listening I'm Ella and I'm Molly and that was Dig Deeper